Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the AM Sisters podcast. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Setting, bringing your favorite twin talk of the week. And in this episode, we wanted to dive a little deeper in a topic that is kind of recurrent in this channel, that we talked a lot about how childhood development can impact our lives as adults. And we wanted to dive a little deeper today going into intergenerational trauma because it is something really big and everyone kind of inherits that. So let's dive in. I think it's a very important topic that not so many people talk about. I I think, you know, I didn't hear many of my friends talking about intergenerational trauma, although it's a topic that impacts all our lives. You know, even though you think you don't have any trauma, but probably you do. And you don't even know because it comes from your parents or your grandparents or even generations before that. So it's not only your childhood experiences that are going to uh, dictate your the way you're currently living your life, but also experiences from before, maybe before you were even born, which is something that is surprising somehow, but also challenging because you don't have control over that. And it was not... Mm-hmm. Something that, I mean, even childhood experiences, it's not something that you can really control because you were a child, but from generations, even before you, it's even more challenging to even recognize them, right? Because sometimes you don't even have someone to talk about it. You don't have people who can share with you what were the things that your parents passed through or your grandparents. So I guess, of course, starting with yourself is the first step. Because you can recognize, you know, your patterns, things that you don't think are so nice in your life and that you don't know where it comes from. Maybe that's um, a little tip, a little cue for you to explore a little deeper and understand that maybe this doesn't come from your life. It may come from another generation back, you know. Yeah, I think when people say that, memories, trauma, experience, everything is stored in your cells. It's for real because of epigenetics. We know nowadays that this is true. And like you said, it's a very good example what you gave, how you can identify if you have those intergenerational traumas. And I think another good way to know is like, if you react instead of act to things. So if you find yourself very reactive to something, but you don't really know why you're acting this way, because nothing in your life experience actually would cause such a trauma such a trigger so I guess if you look back and see maybe your mom dad and caregiver someone else also gets triggered by those things is a good like indicator that that's part of an intergenerational trauma because not only you you're carrying that other people as well um so I think Go ahead. I just want to give a brief example of the, this epigenetic, but tests made on animals. So it's not nice, I know. I don't agree with any, uh, testing animals, but they show that, for example, if you have rats and you pick a smell that they like, for example, lavender, and they really like the smell of lavender, but then you give mild shocks when they feel the smell of lavender. So, yeah, it's really bad, but the generations after that, you know, they're going to fear smelling lavender, even though they don't know it, even though they're not feeling shocks anymore. And I was hearing a talk by Deepak Chopra, and he was giving an example of a friend of his 
that lives in Hawaii and they have some cows. And the cow is afraid of the fence. And he was telling that before, in the past, they used to put like electricity in the fence. So the cows, when they would try to escape, they'll get mild shocks as well. Nowadays, they don't use that anymore. But those cows, they were still afraid of the fence. You know, so that's a clear example of how things that didn't happen to you can be really deep inside your understanding of the world, even though you don't know. I mean, maybe you're really afraid of something and you're like, but it makes no sense, right? I mean, it never, it never happened to me. Why would I be so afraid of such a harmless thing, you know, such a fence or lavender, for example? And it may happen, right? So that, that was just a, a curiosity example. And it just made me think like how crazy it is because we usually think of psychology as something really individualized, but honestly, it's something much bigger. So we were talking about like in a family scale, but it can also happen in a you know community scale as well, this collective trauma um, that people Even carry. nationwide. Yes, yes. It's really something we need to look into because it's affecting us worldwide. It's not like particular of us that are talking to you there's something that is happening as humanity i suppose and also animals like you said you know like rats and cows and this is like it's part of how animals are wired to be i suppose and we are animals after all so i think we can give some examples to people about how you can find this intergenerational trauma like some very light examples and some more hardcore examples because both ends affect us. Um, maybe you can start talking about the one you told me that is divorce. That's something really common in many people's lives. Yeah, I think divorce is something that is traumatic for anyone who passed through that and for children who experienced their parents having a divorce, right? But sometimes when we may not think of something so deep because, you know, many people are having divorces and I'm not the only one experiencing this situation. But actually this can have um, intergener intergenerational trauma uh, attached to that, you know? So if you don't deal with the consequences of a divorce or being, you know, raised with a single parent, perhaps you're gonna reproduce the same behavior when you become an adult or even your grandchildren because somebody, didn't take care of the healing, you know? And it is traumatic to, to leave with parents that are not there for you or only with a single parent when, you know, sometimes you were living with both of them and then suddenly you have to leave only with your mom, for example, or only with your dad. And this can be really traumatic and it can really impact the way you grow up. And you can maybe expect that this other person, this male figure or this female figure will never be in your life. And when you grow up, maybe you feel the same. So even if you have a partner, maybe you feel detached or you cannot really trust that person or even the way you behave shows your children that it is not reliable or it is okay or normal just to have your mom, for example, just to have your dad. When actually, if you worked on your healing, perhaps... There could be a reconciliation around that. And then living with both parents would be easier for the children and for 
the person who who's experiencing that, right? I think it's very clear how it can generate, especially in a child who experienced that like fear of abandonment and anxious attachment styles and all those things because it creates a sense of uncertainty and not being safe around people that they might leave and this and that. So I think that's a very good example because many people go through that. But like you said, there's always a way, a way to fix it. If you realize that you feel all this anxiety around relationships, it might not be because you there's something really wrong with your relationships in, it, in themselves, but it's something you learned, like learned behavior and also passed down to you. I guess there is another one that we experience ourselves that come from uh, immigrant families, I would say. <laughs> Maybe you can start on that. Well, there is. It's very, it's very complex, I think, because it's difficult to generalize. But I think most people who migrated, they had to experience a huge cultural cultural shock, or they had to struggle a bit to adapt, or they were not really welcomed to the place that they migrated, or there was barrier in the language or in the, even the behaviors, you know, you expect things to work in a certain way, then we go to another country and things are totally different. For example, my grandparents from Japan arriving in Brazil, wow, what is that, you know, so different. And they didn't speak Portuguese and they never saw people from so many different cultures because Japan is quite homogeneous compared to other countries, especially back in the days, right? So it was really like, I, I think it should be terrifying, to be honest, to arrive here and to be treated badly. I mean, in Brazil, for example, the migrants were substituting slavery, basically. So it was a program that they wanted many people to work, um, the plantations and all that. So it was not very, it was not a very human, humanly oriented experience, you know. They just wanted workforce. So it was indeed very traumatizing for them. Some people, they even had good lives here in Japan or, you know, back in the countries where they lived before. And they were expecting something good, a new opportunity, new land, you know, all the dream. And suddenly they come here and it was not at all what they expected. So this yeah. is a huge trauma. I think it went down like generations in so many ways. First, like maybe shame as well can be passed down. Like if you're not successful, it's shameful. If you don't like reach the goal you said you would, it's something to be shamed. And maybe that's part of Japanese culture as well. <laughs> Probably. Not really. Um, I think it's more about pride, you know. People yeah. were, had a lot of pride on what they did and the expectations around who they should become. So yeah, there's a lot of hurtful feelings, I believe. I think also like the big message that you have to work hard to get whatever you need in life, that life is not easy. That's something big. It's like you need to save a lot today because you don't know what might come tomorrow. So I think this, this is a very, I think overall, not only in Brazil, but in many other countries, like the immigrant, the first generation immigrant 
leftists because they really had no security whatsoever in their lives. So they really needed to watch out for tomorrow, you know, what we're going to eat, where we're going to live. Are we, you know, how are we going to survive? So I think this survival instinct of being secure is something really, really big that passed down generations. And like, it's our turn to look into those things and say, okay, I have a quite a good life, like secure life. Why do I feel like I can do something different out of fear? Because I, you know, kind of this lack mentality that if I don't, if I try something that is um, outside the box, I won't be secure. You know? Yeah, taking risks. It's a big one. You know, generations back, they didn't like to take risks at all because, you know, because they took the big risk, like the biggest yeah. risk possible, like moving places. And if you didn't go the way they expected, then this can get triggered. And we were talking about something really important about speaking up in voice the other day. So this is something that I was thinking about, you know, about my own family. And when they migrated to Brazil, it was during during that period, World War II was happening. So they could not really speak their own languages there, Italian, Japanese, because they were the enemy, right? But they didn't speak Portuguese well either, you know? So basically they were forbidden to really speak their languages openly in the public or to speak at all, to be honest. And they're, they didn't have a lot of free will to move around. They are always checking their documents and was a lot of restrictions. So even though we don't realize, but perhaps that could this condition could still be impacting us nowadays. Because I feel a lot of times I have some struggle around my voice, or I want to speak up, or I want to articulate what I'm what I'm thinking, and it's quite difficult. Or I feel kind of a blockage in the throat, uh, the throat chakra, you know. And I don't know where it comes from. You know, nobody really stopped me from expressing my my thoughts or my emotions when I was growing up. But perhaps it could come from, you know, my parents or my grandparents or my great-grandparents. And I'm only realizing this now, you know, learning more about intergenerational trauma and learning how we can reconcile and heal those parts of ourselves, not to, you know, to have a better life, but also not to pass this to other generations. Mm. I agree because I also feel like this block in my throat chakra is it's quite annoying usually because as you know like throat chakra is also connected to creativity and expression and if this is blocked and it's not really your oh my gosh you see <clears throat> it's not really your fault I mean it's good that you know where this is coming from because if you don't know you're going to be in the dark and you can heal that thing so it's really crazy because, like you said, people could get arrested just by being a group like of four people speaking Japanese or Italian at that time in Brazil. It was that bad. It was a dictatorship as well happening in Brazil. So, um, but yeah, those things do impact us pretty much. And like, there are so many crazy things that happen to immigrant people that, of course, are going to get traumatized. But uh, some other examples that we saw is like, for example, families that go through food insecurity and they don't have enough to eat. 
this can trigger other types of manifestations in the physical body, right? Yeah, sometimes the person who passed through the food insecurity didn't have um, problems, you know, mentally around that. But the generation after had some problems related to food, you know, for example, having bulimia or anorexia or some kind of eating disorder. And they don't really know where it came from until they, they talk to their parents and knew that, oh, they passed through food insecurity. Maybe that's why I don't know how to deal with food in a healthy way in my life. And it can be quite shocking, I think, to realize that what's going on in your own reality, it's not really yours. It's yeah. the drama of your parents. Or even like some people end up experiencing being overweight as well because like the body needs to store food because it's like this really this food insecurity causes like i might need this food tomorrow but the body doesn't know that now you're safe now you know you're gonna have food the day tomorrow and the day after that this so, western studies even show that it is not healthy to do diets while you're pregnant of course you shouldn't okay. overeat but Hard diets while you're pregnant is not good at all for your baby because they're going to sense that, oh, there's a lack of food, um, not safe. I need to store as much as I can. And then when they can have a normal diet when they are born, they're going to just store and store and store. Yeah. I think other examples that are pretty obvious nowadays is also like how, like you were talking, entire populations can be affected as well. So if you think about the Americas and many other places, like indigenous peoples, how the colonial system treated them, and also people who are enslaved, how this fear for life can go on, you know. So if someone is more, if they get triggered easily, if they react in a way that is all peace and love, maybe it's not because of their fault, maybe it's not you know, it's because of deep violence that happened to them from a long time ago. And the crazy part is that sometimes those ties are cut and you don't, they cannot even find, like, completely do their tree family, you know, find their lineage to really know what went down with them. But I think knowing that this is not your fault is also really freeing sometimes because it's like, okay, this was passed down to me. Now I can take this into my own hands and try to heal this because I don't want to give this to my children, you know, if I have them one day. That's what I was going to say, that once you recognize, if you're the one who recognizes in your family, you're responsible to dealing with that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. it or not, you're kind of responsible now because you know all the consequences of that. And even some people, they have recognized that those intergenerational traumas, they can increase passing through generations. So even though your parents or grandparents passed through something, you now as a second generation are feeling this more intensely than your parents, for example. And probably your children are going to feel this even more if you don't deal with that. So, yes. That's You're a responsible. But yeah, we become responsible for our family line. But I think it's important to say as well that probably... If you notice something in your life as an intergenerational trauma and you stand up and say, I'm going to change this because I don't want this thing affecting me anymore and my future generation. But when you do that, 
it can trigger a lot of people in your family. Because when you do the healing and you change, all the other people who are unhealed or didn't even know they had trauma themselves, they're going to get triggered because it's like they're getting out of the pattern. They're not being affected by this thing that is affecting all of us. How they did this or how dare they betray us and think differently, you know, that can happen. And if you have to be the black sheep of the family, well, dear, be the black sheep. But it's better than being like, continue being in the same state as everyone if it's not working. But sometimes you're lucky enough to have people around you that will support this change and will also heal themselves. So yeah. you can be a beam of light that will help others around you. Although I think it's really difficult to, to deal with family members, especially to heal them or to talk about those things because it can be really triggering for both of you. But it's something that if you can do, it's really healing for everyone. I think it's like, when people use, you know, star seeds and all that stuff, when people talk about indigo children and that they are like all rebellious and stuff. So some people, they, they are born here on this planet and they trigger others because like their presence may be something against what other people believe is the trigger to healing for others as well. It might not be like the easiest or the peace and love type of healing that you're going to experience in your life. But if someone brings up something that is uncomfortable in you, it means that you have things to deal with yourself. Because, I mean, every time that there is a trigger, you know that there's something to be healed. <laughs> Honestly. Honest. Healing, really, like true healing, it's never just peace and love. No, no. Dark it's and painful. It's difficult. And yeah, you want to give up, but you know you can't. <laughs> so keep on going. You know, the rewards are, are, are very good. And like I told my sister before I started recording this, like she was talking to me like, how do you think it's possible? People say that if your grandma and mother had psychological issues, how did you say? You know, because some, sometimes you have a history of psychological or mental health problems in your family, like your grandma had and then your mom had. Are you going to have just because they had, you know? Is this really like that? <laughs> that I was, that's what I was saying to, to my sister. And I was like, I think so, because um, from age zero to six is the time your brain grows, doubles the size, and you acquire a lot of information about how the world works, how people work, relationships, everything, and you're just this tiny baby. So if your caregivers are they have problems themselves and they're showing you how to behave how to be in this world it's very likely that you're going to carry some stuff not just intergenerational but like learned behavior as well so i think it's inevitable that healing is something everyone needs to do and if you're the one who woke up to this wonderful and like you said like it's like maybe you have like mental health issues but it doesn't need to develop in a very you know in a way that is too damaging for you because the more aware you are of it, you can start your own process in. You don't need to undergo medication, this and that, as some people unfortunately have to. So being aware is really important. So just to make a little note here, since tomorrow, Sunday, is the Lionsgate or 
8th of August, age 8. It's a good opportunity for you, my friend, to work on your healing process <laughs> because it's a very good energy. The Lion's Gate is promoting that can help you with negativity and can bring some positivity in your life. So dealing with difficult stuff can be really um, maybe a little easier during this time. Also, the lion is connected to the heart. So, you know, relieve your heart from all this, you know, heaviness and those things that you've been carrying from generations back. Maybe it's a good time for, for healing and to allow your heart to be healed and give some attention to it, just to your emotions and to, you know, everything that is going on in your life and things you want to change because that's a huge, uh, a good portal, a good time for transformation as well. So you yes. want to explain a little bit like what is the Lion's Gate? Yeah, so the Lion's Gate is something that happens every year. And this year is especially magical because it's 8-8 eight, eight in a new moon in the sign of Leo and it's Lion's Gate. So everything is interconnected. And if you check the tarot card of that represents Leo is a strength card. And the strength card has number eight again. And the woman who is holding the lion, like she has an infinite sign above, floating above her head. And it, it, if you tilt it, it's like number eight again. So magical. So if you're into all those things, enjoy this powerful time. They say the lion's gate is open between July 28th or 26th until August 12th. Like the powerful time is August 8th, so this Sunday. So you're listening to us, get ready for it. And this is a very special moment because it's an alignment of the stars. So the sun, Sirius, that is a fixed star and is also known as a spiritual sun, Orion's belt, and the pyramids of Giza, they all align. And they say like this beautiful portal opens for the energy of this Sirius star that is also known as like the blue star or the dog star because it represents that, it can enter that energy. And as they say, the light of Sirius comes and light is energy and light is also messages. So you can open yourself to receiving those messages and all because of the new moon, you can boost your manifestation. So if you think about number eight in numerology, Number eight is also related to Saturn, and Saturn represents practicality and career and, you know, karma as well. So you can really get rid of old karma in this time, and you can also focus that energy into bringing whatever you desire for your life to practicality and make that happen to you. And also a career, there's alignment with your heart. So lion represents joy, represents the courageousness, the playfulness, and all those things. So I think it's a great time to bring in that. And because we're talking about intergenerational trauma, I wrote here like transformation um, is a time of powerful transformation. So that might be helpful to transform um, all those family patterns that you've been carrying that no longer, no longer serves you. And you can do it with like a brave lion heart. And instead of all the junk you've been carrying throughout your life, you can welcome light. You can welcome joyful happiness, like experiences, the glam of Leo, everything you desire into your life. So use this time to transform, my darlings. Yeah, so 
Let us know if you feel the changes in the energy, if you're already feeling the lion's gate because it's already open, or if you feel big transformation coming in your life tomorrow or the day's coming. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you could think a little bit about your own family line and about your own experiences in this lifetime. And I hope to see you in the next episode. If you like, please leave us a like, share with your friends and comment down below. We would really like it. Or leave us a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy the Lionsgate and see you next week. Goodbye.